Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. Hi, this is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Practice Hack of the Week. Nowadays, screened orchestral auditions are the norm. But it wasn't so long ago that the audition process was more overtly biased, or even conducted privately. So, when renowned horn player Julie Landsman auditioned for, and won the principal horn position at the Met in 1985, she defied some common gender stereotypes held at the time, and became the first female member of the brass section. Being competitive and strong-willed by nature, Landsman notes that the situation motivated her to strive for even higher levels of excellence. However, there are many cases in which the opposite can happen, where despite having the talent or intellect, an individual ends up performing below their ability, thereby inadvertently reinforcing a negative stereotype. Wait, so stereotypes can become a self-fulfilling prophecy? How would that work exactly? The phenomenon known as stereotype threat was first explored in several studies of Stanford undergraduates in the mid-1990s. What the researchers found was an interesting form of choking, in which African-American students underperformed relative to their Caucasian peers when they were told that a test was diagnostic of intellectual ability, but performed equally well when the test was presented as a laboratory tool for studying problem-solving. In other words, when the situation activated a negative stereotype about scholastic ability, the African-American students underperformed. But when the negative stereotype was not activated, they performed up to their real abilities. What would lead to such a result? Well, have you ever wanted to prove someone wrong? Like the obnoxious kid in your neighborhood who said that girls can't throw a football? Or the math teacher who thought that the star athlete couldn't hack calculus? But in wanting so badly to prove they were wrong about you, you tried way too hard, fell on your face, and paradoxically ended up proving them right? In a similar sort of way, it appears that in an effort to perform well and avoid confirming society's negative stereotypes of their intellectual ability, the African-American students in the intellectual ability condition may have experienced more performance pressure, contributing to a drop in performance. Stereotype has since been studied in a range of contexts, from gender stereotypes in chess performance to racial differences in athletic performance on a golf task. And while the effect of stereotype threat on performance is certainly worth a closer look, 
I recently came across a study that highlighted an aspect of stereotype threat that might be even more important, its effect on learning. A pair of researchers in Brazil conducted a study of 24 female undergraduates with little to no experience playing soccer. The participants were asked to practice and perform a task which involved dribbling a soccer ball through a short slalom course, essentially weaving in and out of six cones as quickly as possible without touching any of them. Everyone started out with a trial run of the course to establish a baseline level of performance. They also completed a self-efficacy questionnaire in which they were asked how confident they were about their ability to complete the course in 30, 25, 20, or 15 seconds, if given 15 more practice runs. Before doing any practice, half of the participants were told that the dribbling challenge involved, quote, athletic speed and power capacities, end quote, and was a task where, quote, women normally perform worse than men. This was the stereotype threat group. The other half were told that this was a task, quote, involving agility and coordination capacities, where women normally perform similarly to men. This was the neutral group. Each participant was given 15 practice runs through the slalom course, followed by five test runs immediately after training. Then, a day later, another five test runs to see how much of their training stuck. Everyone performed about the same on the first run through the course, so all participants began the study at about the same level. However, after just 15 practice repetitions, a performance difference emerged. As you probably guessed already, the stereotype threat group performed worse than the neutral group. This gap in performance was evident in the next day's dribbling test too, suggesting that this effect was not just temporary. Furthermore, the neutral group had higher self-efficacy scores as well, indicating that they were much more confident in their ability to navigate the course effectively, even after the same exact amount of practice. Stereotype threat is a sneaky, paradoxical sort of way to experience a drop in performance. So even though it may not be the primary cause of choking in every single situation, it is an interesting and important factor to be aware of, both in performance and learning. But what can we do to negate or avoid being affected by stereotype threat? There are some indications that simply being aware of stereotype threat can help nullify its effects. So maybe just listening to this may have helped. Although, not all studies have found this to be true, so, you know, grain of salt. Another thing that can help is adopting a growth mindset. And an exercise known as values affirmation, which involves taking a few minutes to list your core values, or write a bit more in-depth about just one, seems to have a surprisingly robust effect as well. 